everyone, and welcome to episode 161 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and he's back. We're joined again today by Richard, back from his trip. So how's it going today, Richard? Hey, Seth. I'm finally back. It was it was a bad time to be away. So much stuff happened, Seth. So much stuff. Yeah, it's kind of funny. You decide to go away for like 10 days or whatever it was, and then everything went crazy spoilers unbannings like all this stuff the product announcement so you somehow managed to pick the absolute worst time of the entire magic year to be gone but how was the trip did you have a good trip at least yeah yeah i was i was away for chinese new year so it was it was a good time sweet uh, so anyway, we have some catching up to do today. The last couple podcasts we pre-recorded, which was fun, doing the great designer research stuff, but we're back to being live today, which means we got to catch up on unbannings, the surprise unbannings while Richard was gone, modern post unbannings, then we have some new products to talk about. Challenger decks were announced recently, and then just today we started Masters 25 spoilers, so full docket, and then of course wrapping up with fish mail, but that means we should probably jump into it so richard everyone kind of knows where i stand on the unbannings of jason mayan sculpture and blood braid elf i did a video about it been writing articles and doing streams but you've been away so i don't think anyone's heard from you yet so what was your initial reaction when you found out that they actually unbanned jason blood braid you know we talked about the doomsday scenario where when (laughs) (laughs) if watsy reprints dual lands you know it's like all going downhill (laughs) When I saw they were reprinting Jace, I was just like, what does this mean? This doesn't seem right. This this seems suspicious. Uh, here's how I found out about it. I, I was I was in China. I got a text message from my friend saying, Jace unbanned. I'm like, what? He's trolling me. And then I forgot <laughs> that, oh, yeah, today was the BNR, and it was like some weird hour where I was. So I groggily, you know, checked, and like, sure enough, Jace is unbanned. He's like a billion dollars already. And I'm like, oh, my God. What has happened to modern? It's over. And uh, funny enough, the week after, I see the I see the first uh, SCG results, and Jace is not really there. You don't really see Jace, but it's the worst timeline, Seth. It was all Tron decks. <laughs> everyone's like, forget Jace. We'll just go over the top of Jace and carn everyone to death. And it was all Tron decks, and I'm like, oh my, this is the worst. Not only is Jace unbanned, Tron is a good deck. Actually, (laughs) actually, uh, you probably missed this in China, but one of the quirks of this unbanning was uh, Jace was not actually legal for that tournament. (laughs) Oh. They they put the bannings into effect after the next weekend's tournaments for some reason. So the GPs and the SCGs with all the Tron decks, that was actually no Jace format. Is that everyone gearing up for Jace then? Because why was there such a crazy spike of Tron decks that weekend? I have no idea what happened with all the Tron decks. It was it was really weird, and I understand why Wizards did it that way. They didn't want to like throw this big wrench into people's plans, and they'd obviously been at least thinking about this unbanning for a while now. And they didn't want to like throw a big wrench into people's plans and invalidate decks or make people rush out and buy Jaces. But it was a little weird to have this huge hyped unbanning announcement where everyone was like talking about it, and then watch the tournaments that weekend. The GP and the SCG and the cards aren't even legal, so. So yeah, okay. Now, without overreacting, you know, the, the serious take on this is, you know, it's it's not it's not over for modern, right? There's a lot of things that beat Jace. For example, humans, they don't care about Jace. 
uh, counter missiles, you know, get through the counter spells. If you have like five humans on the board, bouncing one does nothing. You just crush Jace, it doesn't matter. Uh, Tron, decks like that, they just go over top of Jace. Like, nice Jace, I'll just Karn him. So, Modern will look pretty good. The, the reason I don't like Jace is it pushes out mid-range decks. I don't think Jund really wants to ever face against Jace. You can't win the long attrition war when your opponent is literally brainstorming every turn. So, even though we got Bloodbraid Elf, I still don't like where Jund is at. The problem with Jund is you have bad cards in certain matchups. If you're playing against a control deck and you draw your removal, like every removal spell you draw is a mulligan. So it is really, really bad. So cascading into more removal is not going to help you. So, you know, cards like, say, Huntmaster or uh, Hazaret or even like the dragons like Stormbreath, I think they're pretty close to Bloodbraid Elf when you're playing those types of decks. So I don't think Jun gains a, a bunch from that. So I, I guess we'll see. The, the meta is adjusting. People are learning how to play with Jaces, you have people learning to brainstorm for the first time, and then you have people learning to fight against Jace, uh, against Jace in Modern. But here, here's my takeaways from, from legacy Jace battling. Uh, you need hasty creatures, you need creature lands, because they, they dodge the bounce, or you need protection from blue. So that would be Sword of Fire Nice in Legacy. I don't know if people have tried playing swords in Modern, but without Stormforge Mystic, they're a bit slow. But you basically need ways for Jace not to clear your creatures. And of course, token decks, uh, go wide strategies also avoid the Jace bounce. Because the Jace bounce is the worst thing for you if you're you know, actually trying to kill them with creatures. You know, one Tarmogoyf is not going to do it, it's going to get bounced continually. They bounce, they brainstorm, get removal, and then the game is over. So... So yeah, that's my take on Jace. Uh, we'll see how it goes, but I don't expect Jace to hang around for a while, unless Modern is the new legacy and we have oppressive blue cards. <laughs> so, I mean, in all fairness, so far, while we haven't had any big paper tournaments yet, actually this weekend is the Magic Online Championship Series, which is an incredibly stacked field, and that's going to be modern. So that'll be the first, like, pro-level event with Jace being legal. But so far, Jace hasn't just, like, dominated the format. That said, if you look at the Jace decks, so far everyone has just been like, oh, I'm going to, like, play my Grixis control deck and play some Jaces, or play my blue-white control deck and play some Jaces. And while that's fine, I feel like... Jace will get better as people really build decks around Jace rather than just being like, I can throw some Jaces in this deck and it'll probably be good. So I also think that uh, another another banning of Jace is probably the most likely outcome. When it first got unbanned, I said a year was the over-under for Jace being rebanned. And that leads to kind of another question, Richard, and I want your take on this. So do you think that this is just a money grab? Did they unban Jace just to sell Masters 25, or did they want to unban Jace and Masters 25 was just a convenient time because they knew it would get more supply in the market? I mean, I think it is a money grab, but not because of Masters 25. Obviously, when they unban Jace, they're thinking, we want to sell product, right? And of course, they're going to reprint Jace when they unban him. Otherwise, people will complain 
why did you unban Jace when Jace was in low supply? Jace is now a $400 card. So the fact that it's timed with a reprint, I don't think is a money grab. But the fact that they're just reprinting Jace at all when, you know, modern is the best it's ever been and it's so diverse and like, you know, one of the one of the best cards in Legacy, Vintage, like, do you really think it's safe for modern? Like, I, I can't I can't see the rationale behind that. Uh, so it, it is a money grab in that sense, but the fact that it's reprinted in Masters 25 doesn't bother me. Like, they have to do it like that. Otherwise, you'd have $400 Jaces. So as far as Blood Braid, are you just going to slam it in your Jun deck? I know you're a Jun player, so is it is it still an auto-include one of the best cards in Jund, or has enough changed in the last, what has it been, four years since it was banned? And yeah. you have more options now where it's just not what it used to be. Enough has changed that I wouldn't slam, like, I wouldn't slam, I would slam four to test, but I don't know that that's correct because I see a lot of people playing four bobs and four blood braids. Uh, you know, you, you have to up your land count to actually cast blood braids. Uh, ripping a Liliana followed by a bob, uh, sorry, a blood braid off of bob is uh, pretty bad. And, uh, you know, cascading Blood Braid doesn't always work, right? It's, like, not that good. Like, sometimes you kind of want Hazret Indestructibility, or sometimes you want Pearl White, or you want Thunder Maw to get through Lingering Souls. So we have a lot of options, and without without that Deathrite Shaman to power him out on turn 3, without Deathrite Shaman to gain back the life from, you know, getting wrecked by Bob flipping a Blood Braid Elf, like, it's not as good as it used to be, so... So I'm I'm testing two to three first, and then maybe I'll go to four. Maybe I'll keep them. Maybe I won't. Uh, but we'll see. But it's not it's not like I I'm more upset <laughs> with the overall BNR. The inclusion of Jace has made me less want to play Jund than you know the inclusion of Bloodbraid Elf. Yeah, so, I mean, we did that Goat Magic, which actually worked out really well, because then they actually <laughs> just unbanned the cards that we did the Goat Magic for, but do you feel like the unbanning of Jace, does that actually really hurt Jun? Because I know in that, it was only one match, but Jace felt super good against your Blood Braid Jun deck in that matchup, and it felt like, maybe, like, that was my concern, is that it would kill off those style of decks having Jace around. Like, do you think that's still a concern moving forward? Yeah, I, I think what's going to happen is you'll still have a healthy mix of like combo, aggro, and then all the mid-range decks will kind of just be Jace, <laughs> like Jace decks. And I think that's how it'll shake out. So when you look at the metagame, you'll have a lot of diversity, but within mid-range, uh, you're going to have like maybe Abzan because they have enough Lingering Souls tokens to get through a Jace, you know, and, and that's it. Because you, you don't really want a Tarmogoyf or Tassiger or Gurmog Angler against a Jace. Like it's... It's not good enough to kill Jace. So give me your prediction. Uh, it sounded like, this kind of like trickled out, but it sounded like they're going to keep the Modern Pro Tour around, which excites me. So we're going to Modern Pro Tour, next year's winner set, a year from this BNR announcement. Will Jace and Bloodbraid still be legal in the format a year from now? Yes. I think, I think give it one year. Give it one big event before they do something. But even okay. then, I don't know what they'll do. Maybe, maybe they just keep it around. Like, you know, like... Blue is overpowered in Legacy. There's no problem with that. It's always been like that. They just keep it like that, right? So maybe they just keep Jace so they can reprint them in Masters 26, Masters 27, Modern Masters 5. You know, you just reprint them like Tarmogoyf, right? Reprint them four or five times. And then... Uh... So, Tinfoil Hat Theory, does this at all suggest to you, like... Wow. 
Wizards cares less about modern, and this is, like, slowly setting the stage for the postmodern format, like the Frontier-esque, we got Arena now, we need another format, like... Are those connected at all, or is it? Are they just completely unconnected? Like, is this Wizards cashing out modern in preparation of making this frontier format in a year or two or three? I I, I think it is. Like, I, I I don't know. I didn't read a lot of pro articles on this, but I I just I cannot see unbanning Jace from the health of the game perspective. Like, I I don't see how they they see it to be safe. Like, it looks super risky maybe it's okay but it it is super risky maybe at the end of the day it turns out okay and jace is fair and balanced but it seems very risky so why would they do that when modern is already in a great place so to me that that tells me that there's other factors in consideration such as making money or like moving on (laughs) to a new format or something like that right so integrity of the game is a little suspicious but i you know i i didn't read the pro kind of the pro arguments Does, do, do any of the pros think this is fine and balanced like they know the game best maybe maybe it is okay maybe i'm just you know super salty as a jund player getting <laughs> wrecked by a jace right like i i don't know it's it seems like it's been it's been somewhat split but i feel like more people are like oh my god i can't believe they did this then we're like oh this will be fine don't worry about it but it, there are some people who have said, eh, I don't think it's going to be that bad or it's going to be that good. Or people have said, and I hate this argument, oh, it'll probably be it'll probably be good because it'll make modern less diverse. And modern is too diverse. So having Jace will like, make it so there's not so many playable decks and that'll actually be a good thing for the format, which that takes away what I love about modern. But I can see from like a pro perspective, because uh, that's one of the complaints the pros have brought up and we've talked about before, like too many decks, you can't prepare for it. So some people might like that jace might make the format less diverse as weird as that sounds yeah what do you what do you think about the price aspect of this the fact that suddenly if you're playing blue white control you have to buy a play set of jaces or three jaces it's kind of the new tarmogoyf where it's just another barrier of entry into modern i really think that this reprinting in 25th masters is gonna take care of a lot of the problem like it's still going to be expensive but i really think with 25th masters being iconic master style where it's going to be at walmart it's going to be at targets right now iconic masters boxes are still like 130 bucks or something there's just so many of them out there so and it looks like that's how 25th masters is going to be so if this really is like a unlimited supply limited supply set then i think that the price issue sure it sucks that you're gonna have to spend 200 bucks on your play set of jays uh 300 bucks on your play set of jays but i think right now the 600 dollars play sets i don't think that's going to be able to last with 25th masters coming out in a couple weeks so it still is rough that it does make the format more expensive but i don't think it makes it as expensive as it looks right now all right, so last question for you, Seth. If you were going to go battle in modern, what deck would you bring with you, given Jace's <laughs> looming around? So I had a ton of success and a ton of fun playing the Blue-White Miracles deck. I think, though, I would probably play some sort of Jace Blood Moon deck. I think, like, Blood Moon, like, Blue Moon with Jace seems really good. I've also seen one of the decks that's been cropping up that looks like a ton of fun is the Turbo Turns deck, like the U-Turns deck, with four copies of Jace, which is, like, the greatest anti-fizzle card if you're going to try to take extra turns the whole time, because you get to brainstorm every turn. So that seems like another 
really fun one. So I would probably play something like that. I guess if my goal was to beat Jace, then I'd probably be looking at like, uh, burn, hollow one, some really fast, linear, consistent deck. The eight whack goblins deck seems like it has a great matchup against a, uh, Jace, just like getting in underneath Jace really quickly. What about you, Richard? What do you want to play now that Jace and Bloodbraid are unbanned? Uh, live by the goif, die by the goif. <laughs> Jund, no matter how bad it gets, we will fight the good fights. We will play Tarvagoif and uh, just hope we can thought seize that Jace out of their hand. All right, so let's move forward from the world of modern and Jaces and Bloodbraids and talk about some really exciting standard news. So this week, Wizards release the deck list on the Challenger deck. So these were decks that they mentioned a while ago, replacing dual decks, I believe, is what they were replacing. But we finally get to see the cards in them. So Richard, why don't you tell us a little bit about these Challenger decks? All right, so they're available April 6th. They'll cost $30 each, and there's four of them. So you have Hazard Aggro, Vehicle Rush, Second Sun Control, and Counter Surge. And... Unlike previous sealed products or pre-constructed products, uh, these decks are pretty good. Uh, their average value is about maybe between eighty and ninety dollars, and you know the Hazaret deck has you know a single Hazaret, a Chandra Torch of Defiance, uh, Beaumont Carriers, uh, Vehicle Rush has four Hard uh, Second Sun Control uh, has Fumigates. Uh, you know, it has dual lands and Counter Surge has Walking Ballista, Glint Sleeve, Siphoners. So they have some pretty good cards. They look like playable decks. There's a lot of three ofs and four ofs. Uh, so players are really excited about this. You know, it it gives them a way to get into FNM with Standard. Uh, it lowers the price of existing Chase Mythics and Rares, and uh, it. They just look like a solid pre-constructed product, you know, not not the, oh, look, there's uh, there's Kaladesh Planeswalker decks, and then we make a joke about against the odds and Planeswalkers, but then no one actually ever plays them, right? These seem like they might actually get played at your FNM. Yeah, I was shocked, because I was kind of skeptical, because Wizards, when they do pre-con decks, they've just very rarely have they been good and worth it, but these ones blew me away. They really look like you could pick up one of these for 30 bucks and expect to do pretty well at your FNM right out of the box, and maybe even with some upgrades, have a real tier deck pretty easily. Like, they're not that far away from being real decks, and they're all based on real archetypes, like Mardu Vehicles, Ramen Ump Red, Approach of the Second Sun's Control, Green Black Constrictor. So they actually base them off of tier decks, and it's not like, oh, you have, I don't know, uh, whatever, Exert Tribal, like, it's Exert Theme Deck, and it looks really cool. These are, like, legitimate decks. So I think these are probably the best pre-con products that Wizards ever has put out, I think. The nice thing is, well, the downside is, all of the good cards are rotating in the fall. So these are all cards from Kaladash, from Amoncat. You don't really have much Ixalan stuff. No brand new stuff coming out in Dominary or anything. So basically, if you spend $30 on one of these, you're getting like five or six months of use out of the deck before the deck basically rotates, and it'll be relatively useless. Still, you get some good cards. Your Chandra, Hazrat, those are modern playable, so you're getting some legit cards in there that'll still be fine. But I think... 
even though the cards are going to rotate in six months, for 30 bucks, that's like five bucks a month. That seems like a really good deal to me. Yeah, I oh, I got to correct you, Seth. The best pre-constructed product of all time are, are the Commander products. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I guess uh, that's true. My question is, will people actually play these decks, or will they just become like a, a source of getting Hazret singles or Chandra singles? If we remember back to the modern event deck, that deck was pretty legitimate looking. It was like a, a tokens uh, black-white deck. But everyone kind of just bought them for Inquisitions and uh, maybe Hero of Bladehold, and that was it. Like, no one really played them. They weren't really accessible, and they kind of just increased in price. You know, people weren't selling them at MSRP, but it increased the price to the price of Inquisitions after a while. So, do you think people will just use this as a, a source of singles, or, you know, will the majority of these products actually be used by new players? Um... I think that it's a combination, and I think from a player's perspective, that's fine. So looking at like the latest tier list of Mono Red Aggro, the Challenger deck is pretty close. Like You're missing Earthshaker Kenra, which is a place that is like $6. You need maybe a little bit different burn setup, maybe a Scavenger Grounds in your mana base. The big thing you're missing is three more copies of Hazaret, which still, that's like right now $20, probably go down to near $10 potentially when these come out. But I think that people will buy these and then throw in an extra 30 bucks and have legitimate tier one decks out of them. I also think some people will buy them to get the Hazarats, to get the Chandras, especially the red one. I don't know if it's as appealing for the other decks because they have good cards. Like play set of Glint Sleeve Siphoner is nice, play set of Heart of Kirin, but they don't have any like $30 individual cards. But even if people buy the mono red deck, basically to get the the Hazarats and get the Chandras, it's still going to drop the price of Hazarat and Chandra from $25, $30 down to like $10 because these are going to be in Walmarts. They're going to be in Target. So they're very high supply, which means the EV of these decks, right now you're getting like $85 worth of cards. That's got to drop down near $30 because if not, people just buy them, crack them, sell the cards, the whole EV thing that we always talk about. So I feel like it's a win-win for players, apart from people who, I don't know, just bought their playset of Chandra like a week ago and then all of a sudden, Chandra is going to crash in value, but outside of that scenario, it seems like pretty much a win-win for players by making standard cheaper. Yeah, and do you think Wizards has finally found it? You know, we we've had like a million standard sealed products or or kind of casual sealed products. You know, we had uh, you know we have event decks, we had clash packs, we have dual decks, we have planeswalker decks, we have the intro decks. Are event decks the last thing, or are we going to continue to have all of these? Has Wizards found the actual formula to getting players to buy pre-constructed decks? I think that we'll still see some of the other stuff. Like, oh, Planeswalker decks, they're fun casual decks, so I don't think we're going to see Wizards drop all the other pre-con products, but I think these are suddenly the cream of the crop and going to be the most important one. And I have to say, like, I made a video about these the day they came out, and I was shocked 
by the number of people that said either I haven't played Standard in a few years or I've never played Standard, but since I can go buy this deck for 30 bucks, I am definitely going to do that. I'm going to go to my FMs. I'm going to play Standard now. And I think that's exactly what Wizards was going for. And while we'll have to see how many of those people follow through and actually do it when they come out in another month, it sounded like from the initial response of the community that this might be a huge boon for Standard and actually get a lot of people to start playing the format again. All right, last question, Seth. Against the odds event decks or challenger decks, which deck do you choose? Oh, man. So, I... Against the odds, I don't think any of them are very against the odds. So let's go with Budget Magic. And I think if I was just going to pick the most competitive one straight out of the box, I would probably take the green-black constrictor list. I think the Ramanon Bread list might be the best, but I'm a little nervous that the best cards are all one of. Chandra, Glorybringer, Hazaret... I think you can still steal games by winning quickly, but I think that the green-black constrictor list looks pretty sweet. What about you, Richard? What one would you go with? Mm, I'm thinking Hazaret. I think one in doubt, just go all aggro and hope you get there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just, just be good at drawing cards and draw your one of Hazaret in every single match. And I mean, they all look pretty reasonable, though, honestly. Like, the blue-white control deck, you got three approaches, you got the Rast, you got lots of card draw, you got some counters. The Mardu Vehicles deck, pretty close to, like, what you would see someone actually play for Mardu Vehicles, except with a little more uh, tribal synergies thrown in with Dapala. But I think you really can't go wrong as far as, like, getting a somewhat legit deck for 30 bucks. Yeah. Do you, do you think... I, I already saw posts on Reddit about people selling them for above MSRP. Should I ever buy it for above our MS, uh, MSRP, Seth? So, oh man, I'm going to say no, but with a little bit of asterisk because we don't really know how many Walmart will get. Like, in theory, as long as Wizards actually prints a reasonable supply, which they should, then you should just go to your Walmart, go to your Target, order them online. So I think you should never get them over MSRP, but if Wizards does something really weird, like remember the initial Commander decks where they just didn't print enough of them, even though they were in Walmart? So there's some weird chance that Wizards messes it up, but I'm pretty confident Wizards will print enough of them, and you should not pay over MSRP for these decks. All right, cool. Uh, maybe we should battle these decks at some point, Seth. <laughs> yeah, we should. We definitely should should do some battling. Maybe like an upgrade series would be cool. I'm kind of curious what you would have to spend to go from the $30 deck up to like the legit tier version of the archetype. Yeah. So we'll have to do some content with them because it could be fun. Uh, anyway, let's move on from Challenger decks and Standard. Go back to the world of mostly Eternal formats. Today kicked off 25th Masters spoilers and... This must be a one-week spoiler season or something, because we've gotten a ton of expensive cards, a ton of exciting cards, so let's talk about some Masters 25, Richard. Uh, what cards are we talking about? All right, so Masters 25 comes out March 19th, so about over a little over two weeks, three weeks. Uh, 249 cards. We don't even have we don't even have like an excuse anymore. It's just good cards from Magic's history. <laughs> oh, they also mentioned last week in an article that uh, they're they're making their master sets just random themes now instead of tied to formats like Legacy or Modern and stuff like that. So I guess this is the first one. It's just 
throughout the history of magic. <laughs> That's a very lame theme if you ask me, but <laughs> <laughs> here are the cards. So uh we'll just we'll just list out i guess from from rarity we got we got jace we all know about jace uh we have gisella blade of gold knight we have chalice of the void we have acroma angel of fury those are all mythics uh coming in at rare we have azusa lost but seeking thalia garden of thraven uh niv mizzet the fire mind uh sundering titan Blood Moon, that is the Goldfish official spoiler. Uh, I missed Imperial Recruiter for the Mythic. Uh, and then at Uncommon, we have Balduvian Horde, uh, an oldie but a goodie. We have Murder, Curse Catcher, Blue Elemental Blast, Red Elemental Blast, uh, Pillage, and then the only common we've had... Oh, we don't, wait, we don't have a common at all. Actually... Uh, you just illustrated one of my biggest complaints about this set. You cannot tell the difference between commons and uncommons. Wait, what? Pil- <laughs> pillage, pillage is a common. Belduvian Horde is a common. Oh my god. Murder is a common. But this set symbol looks exactly the same. I miss. I tweeted out Blue Elemental Blast and Red Elemental Blast were commons in Legal and Pauper. You have to look down at the bottom of the card by saying. where the artist name is, and there's a little letter there, and that's how you got to tell like c is for common u is for uncommon there's a hint of silver in the icon if you look very carefully (laughs) you Uh, can distinguish it but you're right it was confusing because i'm like where are all the commons yeah oh man i don't know why they did that but those it's actually important to note the commons because pillage and belduvian horde in specific are new to pauper cards and actually potentially pauper playable like in pauper a five five for four that's pretty big. Like, it's not exciting anymore for standard or modern or legacy, but in Pauper, that's a big deal. And Pillage also seems relatively legit. Affinity is a real deck in Pauper. Blowing up lands against Tron is legitimate. So I think we might see some shakeups in the Pauper format thanks to these cards. But So what do you think so far, Richard? We have five Mythics, five Rares, some lower rarity stuff. How are you feeling about 25th Masters after day number one? I think they could print 248 pieces of blank cardboard and include Jace, and it will sell like crazy. So it doesn't matter what these other cards are. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I like Voldemort Horde. I like the callback to some of the older cards. I like the Elemental Blasts. I'm not very excited about Gisela or Chroma. I mean, I'm, I'm over Angels. <laughs> I've seen enough Angels from Magic sets for for a lifetime. Uh, Thalia is a cool inclusion. Uh, she's been going uh, pretty pretty up there due to humans. Uh, Chalice, much needed reprint. Uh, Imperial Recruiter, what do you think about that coming in at Mythic? Uh, so it's really expensive. Imperial Recruiter is like somewhere around 200 bucks right now, depending on the printing. So I understand it being Mythic from the value perspective. The thing is, no one plays Imperial Recruiter. It's just expensive because it's like a Portals 3 Kingdom card, and there's like zero in existence. So it's going to get crushed in price, even being at Mythic, just because I think Allurin in Legacy is the only deck in any format that actually plays Imperial Recruiter. I think... Oh, okay. Painter Server. You're right. That's another one. So there's a couple of legacy decks that actually play it. So I don't know. I think it's a cool reprint because it's so expensive. You play legacy a little bit, Richard. Do you think that 
Imperial Recruiter is going to mean Alluren and the Painter Servant decks. Are those going to be more played now? Like, was Imperial Recruiter being 200 bucks a copy keeping people from playing those decks in Legacy? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, 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 some number of people will, will play uh, Painter Servant now that Imperial Recruiter is cheaper, but I don't think... You know, how many players play Legacy? How many players actually want to play this deck? And... You know, are there enough of them to keep the price up? And the answer is clearly no. The question is, what does this actually drop to? And I think it's going to drop a lot. I don't think many people care for this card. I would not be surprised if it was like twenty bucks or less. Yeah. Starting off at two hundred, I will say, like so far, this set looks a lot more iconic than Iconic Masters. Like I think a lot of these cards, even the ones that aren't good, like a Chroma, like that's an iconic character. Sure, it's a $2 mythic, but it's still an iconic character. Balduvian Horde, pretty iconic. Yep. The Blast Cycle, Red Elemental Best, Blue Elemental Best, even Curse Catcher for its era is pretty iconic. So I feel like they're hitting it, at least so far, with the iconic flavor, which is weird because it's not Iconic Masters, it's 25th Anniversary Masters, but I mean, the value looks there so far. Chalice, like out of the five mythics chalice is like 70 or 80 bucks imperial recruiter we talked about really expensive likely to drop jace is like 150 bucks so it feels like there's a decent amount of value and we're only like just starting so i'm pretty excited for it i think it's going to be a pretty sweet set yeah i really like the balduvian horde inclusion i i like these kind of like low impact cards that you know really do illustrate the theme of the set like that you know i i remember playing with this card uh, I remember discarding a card at random, and you're like, 5-5, five, five, yeah, right? Now it's like Pelucranos, I can fight, and like, you know, it's like... But back then, that was a pretty good deal. So including those cards, I think, makes it iconic, as you say. And I think they were just pulling their punches with Iconic Masters. They knew, you know, the Masters 25 was coming up for the anniversary, so this is going to be the good set. Iconic Masters had kind of all the other stuff. So what do you think one of the big, uh, like, aesthetic things with this set is the watermarks of the original sets? Are you a fan of the watermarks on Greatest these Greatest idea ever. That person should get a raise. Uh, foils will look amazing. The watermark looks really cool. And, you know, it actually tells you where the card came from. So it's informative at the same time. So I really, really like the watermark. And uh, this might be one of those cases where I don't use the original printing of the card but I use a newer printing because I like the watermark so much. Yeah, I agree. I think that was a great idea, and I hope they keep doing this. Like, if it's just a special thing for 25th anniversary, that's fine, but I would like to see them continue to do this with reprint sets because apart from just looking really cool, I think there's some value in, like, helping people identify, like, where the cards came from, maybe gets them to go look up other cards in that set and gets interested in other cards if they don't really know all these old cards as well as someone who's been playing for, like, 20 years. So I think it's a great idea, and they should keep doing it. Also, like, Blood Moon looks super sweet. I think that's my favorite one. The Half Crescent Moon just looks so good. I think I'm the same way. I'm an old border original printing kind of person, too. But some of these, the watermark is enough to make me consider uh, switching up the versions. Sorry, wrong art. Not white bordered. No go, <laughs> Seth. <laughs> We're gonna have to, I'm going to have to see the alter of this where someone alters it to be white bordered with the, <laughs> with the original art. <laughs> 
And so far, we've seen a little bit of new art, and I really like it so far. Pillage looks great. The blue and red Elemental Blast cycle looks really good. I really like the Imperial Recruiter. Uh, it definitely looks a lot different than the old one, but I think it looks really sweet. So, so far, not much to complain about. The value looks good. The watermark looks good. Other than not being able to tell commons from uncommons, uh, I think the set looks like a home run so far. I like the old art, by the way, Seth. Really? On Imperial Recruiter you do? I Because it had, like, character. You know, you have, like, this weird, janky style. You know, like, you know how the old <laughs> cars had, like, no uniform, homogenous style? It was just all over the place. And Red Elemental and Blue Elemental Blast, that, that art is iconic. I think they should have kept it. But I know they can't do to, like, copyright and stuff like that. But uh, those cars are pretty iconic. I think you, you should keep the art there. What about Belduvian Ord? Do you like the new Belduvian Ord? I don't Ord? remember what the original... Art like. <laughs> this one looks like it kind of matches though like imperial recruiter doesn't really fit the theme i don't think it does look a lot different than the original that's true oh i think does it balduvian i think i remember balduvian horde let me let me double check here i think it's like a angry looking guy facing yeah. to the right ah, yeah ah, come on like that <laughs> uh, that that cartoony style uh, they need to bring some of that back I kind of miss that. If there was ever a time, it would be really cool if they did a retro set like this, but actually did the art in the style of, like, the goofy, like, sort of janky art from the original set. What if they just made an art set? What if they just made kind of a reprint set where all of the cards had new art and they didn't fit kind of the the magic style of art today? Like, the artists can do whatever they want. So you'd have weird abstract art you'd have the cartoony art you'd have the super serious art you'd have the super risky art like i think that'd be a pretty cool product i bet people would really like that actually that's a really good idea yeah because today like i swear i i can show you i can give you like 10 card names and then the piece of art and you can probably make an argument to matching that for like every single one because all the art kind of <laughs> just looks the same nowadays yeah that is that is a true a true thing a fair point <laughs> Uh, did you see that reddit post about islands and the uh the evolution of art in islands and how they're not actually islands <laughs> i did i did not uh i did not catch that one uh, like they had to they had to paint so many islands that they had to stretch the definition of an <laughs> island and then you're like this is a river this is actually just a bowl of water this is just a mass of land, the exact opposite of an island. It was actually pretty hilarious. You should look it up. <laughs> uh, I'll have to look it up. That does sound pretty funny. Oh <laughs> uh, Well, I think, do we have anything else before we move forward to the realm of Fishmail? Uh, I think this might be it. Nope. Let's move on to Fishmail. So if you have any questions, you can send them to at Goldfish with the hashtag MDGFishmail, and we'll get to your questions on here. So first question from... Words SDFGXCVQAZ. Seth, you mentioned we have a banned list for Commander Clash. Can you tell us what cards were banned and most importantly, why? Any other card you would add if you could and why? So, I actually didn't know there was a ban list till I returned to guest star in an episode of Commander Clash, and they're like, hey, you can't play those cards, we banned them. But apparently, our current uh, house ban list is the three turn one mana rocks, so Mana Crypt, Soul Ring, and Mana Vault, along with cards Tomer likes, Edric, uh, Ristic Studies, and Mystic Remora. So... The reasoning, 
the fast mana, I don't think makes the game fun. It makes it really swingy. So that's kind of the reason. It just makes someone the arch enemy if they have it, and they either get really far ahead and win, or everyone kills them. The other cards, I think that Ristic Studies and Mystic Remora is more that it's just really annoying to play because it triggers all the time and slows down the game. And then Edric is just not fun to play against. So I think those are the reasons. I don't know if we really need anything else banned. What do you think? Is there anything else you would put on the ban list if you could, Richard? I'm starting to think the flip lands from Ixalan. Ooh, Those, are they that good? They're that good. They're that obnoxious that I'm playing Thespian Stage and Ghost Quarters and strip mine <laughs> just to deal with it. And I'm, I've, you know, always I always play Expedition Map now to to pick them up. Uh, so so I get my Thespian Stage and uh, or either fetch up a Ghost Quarter to deal with them. They're just so good. They're pretty obnoxious. Uh, we have a bunch of like soft band cards. We typically don't play stacks decks. We don't play, you know, hardcore prison. Like we'll, we'll we'll use it once in a while, but we try to refrain because it just grinds the game to a halt and just makes it not very enjoyable. And uh, yeah. we typically just play it by ear. I mean, if Tomer wants to play Edric, we'll let him play Edric. Uh, you know, we, we just we just don't want it to be like, you know, in every single deck in every game we have to deal with this. Stuff like that. Yeah. What do you think about the fast mana banning? Are you a fan of the getting rid of the three turn one mana rocks? No, I think I think it's fine. I, I, I think if you were to play a fast mana rock, the table will deal with you accordingly. So and if they don't, then the game ends immediately and you play the next game. So to me, it's not that bad. It's not the same as playing Knowledge Pool or something and everyone's sitting around for like an hour twiddling their thumbs. So I'm, I'm yeah, fine I guess with that's actually true. fast mana. Or the worst is like Armageddon on an empty board. So then the game just resets and you, you just add another two hours <laughs> to the game. Like I think those cards are much, much more uh, ban worthy than fast mana. <laughs> Uh, next question, Tobias Keynes. Modern is currently the cheapest it's ever been with the new Jace unbanning. Do you think Wizards is cashing out on the format? If so, what cards do you think are safe to speculate on if a newer format becomes reality? You hit on this, Seth. Are, yeah, we kind of talked are, are about this. Are there safe cards to buy for, for <sighs> a new format, whatever Frontier becomes or is renamed to? I mean... Everything's getting reprinted. Wizards just keeps ramping up reprints, so in that sense, especially since we don't know how soon this new format would actually be, it could be, they could announce it next year, they could announce it three to five years from now, there's a chance that the stuff that you would buy would already be reprinted by then, but I would be looking at definitely cons forward stuff and probably even after that because Merrill mentioned not wanting the fetch lands to be in this format so I think we might actually be looking at like battle for Zendikar forward so I would be looking at like probably picking up stuff like think of modern think of stuff that's maybe just not quite good enough for modern but rotating this fall from like Amonkhet block Kaladesh block and maybe just like hold on to those cards instead of selling them at rotation maybe buy a few extra copies if you want to but that's the kind of stuff I would be looking for but it's definitely really risky because maybe you buy like all the energy cards at rotation thinking all oh, this deck will probably be good in whatever this format is and then they reprint all those cards in like a master set of year for now and that's one of the themes and then it doesn't work out but that would be my technique at this point yeah maybe the new thing is not buying it when they're cheap but knowing when to sell 
because Wizards is just reprinting everything. So, oh, Liliana's getting expensive. Better sell Liliana's because it's surely coming up in a reprint soon. Because Wizards has just found more and more products to reprint stuff in. So uh, I don't like hoarding cards anymore. I kind of just get them as I need and deal with it like that. Next question, Suntail Hawkins. I remember a few months ago you were very against RNG reliant decks or cards like Marvel Energy. Now it seems you have a lot of fun with Red Black Hollow one and Bloodbraid Elf. What makes one oppressive and the other fun? Um That's a fair question. I think I think the swinginess of like Etherworks Marvel was kind of like you're spinning the wheel for a card that pretty much just says I win the game. When you spin the wheel on like a burning inquiry there's a lot more risk involved because you can just completely kind of like screw yourself over and discard everything you needed and discard all your lands. When with Marvel, like you're always hitting something. And then the best case of Burning Inquiry or Goblin Lore is, oh, you get a 4-4 four, four for free. Not, oh, I get an Emrakul and I win the game. Or, oh, I get an Ulamog and I win the game. So I think if if when you cast Goblin Lore, the end result could be an Emrakul or an Ulamog, then I would probably feel the same way about it. So going forward, do you want Wizards to print more or less RNG cards? Uh, still no more than they're doing now. So like 1% maybe? Okay. Marvel yeah, was the I last think... one, right? I guess there's a lot of look at the top X cards do something cards coming out yeah. nowadays. I think like that kind of variance is fine. I just don't like the really swingy like game ending style of variants. I think it's just like a little bit too much. It's like, I don't know. There's some Hearthstone card where you cast it and you get to cast a random spell with random targets for every spell you cast for the rest of the game. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, I don't like that style of variants where it's just like, Hey, I'll do it. And I could probably win the game if this works out. I mean, but is Coco any different? They could either hit nothing, two mana dorks, or two game-ending three drops. <laughs> like, it's the same, right? Ah, <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you're right. Maybe the variance is fine, and I just get salty yeah, from losing it. It depends on how bad my last RNG rolls were. <laughs> if I was hit, like, five for five on Marvel, like, yeah, RNG is great. If my opponent's hitting five for five, it's like, this is a trash mechanic. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's actually pretty true. You, you gotta measure the level of salt uh, before you make a judgment. <laughs> uh, Sugi time. How about goat magic, Jace tribal versus Liliana tribal? Ooh. That would be interesting. All right. Call, you I can, call you dibs. can play the no, Liliana no, side. I call dibs on Jace. Uh, oh, no. You're giving up on Liliana to play Jace, Richard? I have played... The Liliana versus the Liliana the Veil versus Jace the Mind Sculptor dance so many times. <laughs> and let me tell you, Jace wins nine out of ten unless Liliana has like a two turn start. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out brainstorming is better, you know, brainstorming and playing your cards is better than, you know, a plus one that does nothing <laughs> until you until you ultimate. Yeah, I, I that makes sense. Drawing three cards a turn, probably better than each player discarding one a turn. <laughs> the problem is you have better Jaces, though. You have Jace Vince Prodigy, you have Jace Bellerin. Yeah, Liliana, the backup Lilianas are not, not ideal, and they're even less ideal, I think, for 
playing against Jace's. Like, yeah. they can be okay at killing creatures, like Liliana of the Dark Realms, and uh, some of the other ones are good at killing creatures, but I don't know if they do well in a Planeswalker mirror. Oh, but you have Jace cutting Castaway in your deck. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I can make that illusion for sacrifice fodder, so you can't hit my real creatures. <laughs> All right, random Keho. On Kaladesh slash Ether Revolt, despite it being months away, when is the best time to buy cards? What are the cards to keep an eye on for Modern? And in Modern, where you run close to no basics, what is the best replacement for Fastlands? Um, I think we're talking about rotation. <laughs> so, cards to buy at rotation, basically? Was that the... Yeah, what, what cards to buy, what cards to keep an eye on for Modern in Kaladesh and Ether Revolt? Uh, so, I mean, energy is kind of a fringe theme, so it's probably worth remembering it, because who knows if Wizards is actually crazy enough to print more energy cards that could shake things up. Uh, I think, uh, otherwise, like, Gideon of the Trials, Hazorat, as foretold, those cards already see some amount of play in modern. The Fastlands are pretty good in modern. Scarab God is kind of like a blue-black control finisher. Hollow One, obviously, already a staple. So there's, I mean, there's a handful of cards I would keep an eye on. I think at this point, like, I don't know. I I have recently been going through a lot of old cards uh, to find pauper staples, but I also found, like, a bunch of, like, 2013, 2014 cards, and I was surprised how many cards that last time I looked through these cards a couple years ago were complete bulk, and now they're like, eh, worth a dollar, worth a couple of dollars. So I'm at this point, with bulk being so cheap, I kind of just want to, like, hold on to my stuff in hopes that eventually, like, a commander deck or modern or something can make use of it. What's your opinion on Fatal Push? That's an Ether Revolt. Uh, it's in a Challenger deck. It feels like the next Path to Exile. It feels like a card Wizards will reprint a million times, and I'm not sure where the floor is. Like, with Path, no matter how many times they print it, it's like five bucks or something. You're, it's never going to get much below that. So I'm not sure it, if Fatal Push will be quite as high as far as where the floor is, but I think it's a card that is going to get reprinted a lot, and it's always going to have a reasonable amount of value. Yeah. Next question Bacon and sports. Can you talk about when the right time to sell expensive standard cards that probably won't see modern play? When should I cash out my Scarab Gods? Ooh, well, this question just became a lot more relevant with the Challenger decks, and I don't know if we have all the details on these decks confirmed, but assuming that this is a yearly thing about the same time, you definitely want to sell over the winter, which was already the correct time to sell for peak value, like sometime between eh, end of December, middle of December, and like end of February or March is usually like the peak for standard cards. And with these challenger decks, it becomes even more important because maybe you held on to your Chandra a little bit too long, and even though the price hasn't immediately uh, crash, it's going to be a lot harder to get reasonable resale value with everyone knowing that a reprint is around the corner. So that's what I'd be targeting. Basically, like the middle of winter is kind of the best time to get out of those cards. All right, random Keho. For those interested in not playing standard, but interested in non-rotating formats, Going forward, should we wait until Challenger decks before buying cards? Um, it feels like Wizards took a pretty light touch with cards that they thought would be playable in Modern. Like, they could have printed more Walking Ballistas, more Fatal Pushes, more Hazrats, more Chandras. So I feel like 
yes, you want to be a little bit careful, but it also feels like Wizards is aware of what cards have potential for modern and is intentionally trying to not print them as heavily as some of the other cards that don't have potential for modern. All right. Also, challenger deck question. Canadian Crawler is now a good time to sell Hazra and Chandra. Uh, what do you think the final price on these cards will be? Uh, it's hard to imagine it staying much above $10 while the challenger deck is in print, assuming that it's actually in high supply maybe like 10 to 12 dollars is a peak and then we'll just have to see i still think that because of modern both could eventually recover even with this reprinting but it's going to take a lot longer now than it would have uh, otherwise those would be cars that you definitely be looking to buy at rotation but with this extra supply a little bit more nervous about trying to hold on to them too much because by the time they might appreciate in value you're probably looking at oh it's like showing up in a master set two years from now or something like that all right, Taskmaster, 1995. Do you think Dominaria will have a black, green Sarah Angel? As prompted by the great <laughs> designer search. Uh, I doubt it. But I do think, like, maybe the next unset, that would be sweet. Uh, well, what would it even be in black, green? They, they have to do, like, some angel set where, where they start putting angels in different colors. Like, if it's black, green Sarah Angel, it has to be a different creature type. And Yeah, we haven't... And we haven't had a black green angel, have we? There's got to be a black green angel. Did did we have? What were the angel colors in Avicen Restored? Did they span all I, colors? They were all white plus something, I think. Huh. I don't think there were any that were not white. Interesting. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. You never know, but I I think maybe they'll come back to it at some point in the future. But Dominaria seems pretty quick. Do you think Sarah Angel will be in Dominaria? Hopefully it's like a common. I think we're to the point where Sarah Angel can be a common. Is it a common? It's got to be close. Oh. I don't even know if it's, like, maybe it's still got to be uncommon based on limited, yeah. but I think it's pretty close to being common now. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. How the mighty have fallen. <laughs> I, I long for the days of Sarah Angel versus Bolduvian Horde. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, all right, last question. G. San Siegelo. I saw some people say that Imperial Recruiter will be cheaper than people expect because the price, what held the price was the number of copies in the market, not the demand. We talked about it. I'm firmly in the camp of it's going to plummet in price. No one really plays this card. Only a few decks play it. And we have the, uh, we have the White Toughness Recruiter. What, what is it called? Oh, uh, recruiter of the uh, of the guard, I think. Yeah. So we we actually have alternatives that people could have used uh, already. So it's just one of those things. It's just so old and rare. It's expensive, rather than another it's so good. Another good example of this, actually, from Astros Twenty Five, is Azusa Lost But Seeking. That's one of our cards, like fifty bucks. But it's fifty bucks because Kamigawa, unpopular, low supply set, never been reprinted, other than like I think a Judge promo. So never really been reprinted. So Azusa is another one that I think people are going to be surprised at how cheap Azusa ends up being. Like this is opposed to like Horizon Canopy, which was pretty low supply because it was in Future Sight, but it was also in demand to some extent. It's a four of in like boggles and some decks that people actually need to buy it. I don't know who buys Azusa. Like, I guess if you're playing it in, like Amulet Bloom or something, 
So keep an eye out for that and think that through, because uh, that's uh, opposed to something like Thalia, which is the fifth most played creature in modern right now. It's not going to get hit, hurt nearly as much, or even Jason Mind Sculpt are really in demand right now. So try to think through the demand aspect of the reprints, too, because the ones that are in demand are going to drop a lot less than the ones that are just expensive because uh, there's only very few copies on the market. So that's all of our fish mail. Thank you everyone for sending them in. If you have questions, send them to at mtggoldfish with the hashtag mdgfishmail. Seth, before I let you go, I have to ask the question. What do you think the final price of Jace will be? Oh man, so Jace is 150-ish right now. I'm going to say... I'm going to say $75. What do you think? That's quite reasonable. I, I, I don't know. Because I I think a lot of people, myself included, will think that Jace will be banned. And if Jace will be banned, should you go buy Jace's? Right? Should we be opening all of, all of this product? And if we get Jace's, should we keep him? Because we fear of a looming ban. And I think that will throw a wrench into things. Like Tarmogoyf, you're like, okay, Tarmogoyf will be the best green creature forever. You know, if I... If I spend a lot for him uh, or for it, I can play it forever, basically. Whereas Jace, I'm not so confident about. So I don't know if I'm willing to shell out that much money for Jace. So in that case, the price will go low. But maybe no one opens, you know, Masters 25 because they think the price of Jace will be low and they think it'll be banned again, so it's not worth it. And that keeps the price high. Uh, So so I don't know. Uh, I think it'll be on the higher side. I think price memory. I, I think maybe around 100. I think 75 is a bit low because I think people will just remember how good Jace is and how expensive he was and it'll just stay high. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's true. I might, if anything, I might have undershot. I think 75 is probably about as low as I could see it going from this reprinting. But you got to bet, like you were saying earlier, Wizards is going to love reprinting Jace. It's going to be, if it stays in modern and doesn't get rebanned, it's got to be the next Tarmogoyf. We're going to see it in Master Set after Master Set, because it's such an easy way to reprint. So I think this, I think a lot of Masters 25 is going to be open as people chase after Jace, because opening one Jace pretty close to just paying for your entire box so you get lucky you open that's what you're thinking at least as you open your box like oh if i could just get this jace it pays for my box i get all these other cards essentially for free so i think that we're gonna see a big impact on some of the other cards in the set because i think a lot of this set's gonna be open compared to like iconic masters which is kind of like man not that popular so i feel like a lot of it's gonna be opened and something's like blood moon's gonna be like eight bucks or ten bucks or something and some of the other cards are really gonna get hammered because of how much of it's opened oh man if blood moon drops to eight dollars budget magic will be forever ruined seth (laughs) i am so excited for that we're like we're gonna have probably two solid months of blood moon budget magic decks (laughs) if that actually happens uh Anyway, everyone, I think that brings us to the end of episode 161 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the rest of Masters 25 spoilers. We will be back next week to talk about the rest of the spoilers, everything else that's going on. So until then, this is the crew signing off. 